Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. How's everybody doing? Excited? Man, it's good to be with you guys. Hey, real quick. Because it's our first Sunday of the month, normally we do our first step, part one. Uh, But because of the holiday schedule and everything, we're actually moving that to next week. I know you saw that on the announcement video, but just wanted to encourage you one more time to put that on your calendar. Uh, At First Step Part 1, it's your chance to discover the vision and values of our church and to discover if it's the right church family for you. And we'd love it if you came and joined our church family. That's next week. After second service, we'll take care of food and child care and the whole works for you. All right? Sound good? Yeah. Good. All right. Hope to see you next week. Cool. So, 2021. We made it, y'all. Come on, somebody. What a year. Is anybody else like with me and just praying that this is a year of Lord's favor? That it's a complete turnaround from what we just experienced? Man, I'm actually praying that it's totally better in every way except for one area the internet meme because it has to be crazy for the memes to be as good and hilarious and ironic as it was last year we don't want that this year the internet can keep its memes for 2021 come on right but hey i'm excited about what god wants to do in us and i think he is preparing us for a great season ahead but can we just be real Every year has its challenges. Every year has its obstacles. Every year, there's storms that we're going to have to face. As much as we hope it's just going to be some light sprinkles this coming year, we don't know what it has ahead. But something that I learned growing up is it's important to be ready whenever the storm comes. You don't know when it's going to come, and you don't know how big it's going to come, or even what form it's going to take. Fact is, life has storms. Now, if you don't know me well yet, I grew up in Florida. All right, that's why you see the Florida State mask on me quite often. Proud Florida State fan, even if 2020 was the worst year ever for my team. Still a faithful fan. And one thing we knew in Florida was something, uh, uh, how to prepare for hurricanes. And then 2004 came along. We had four major hurricanes in the span of six weeks. That was a rough, rough summer. The first one hit, we had trees down everywhere. We were without power for two weeks. I mean, you ever been in the summer? It's hot and humid. No power means no AC. It was rough, and not just because of that. I mean, just all the whole chaos. And as soon as we got enough power, you know, we rigged the extension cord all the way to the the family van and an inverter just so we can turn on the TV, and we turned it off. There was another one on the way. I mean, it was crazy. But you know what? The second one, we handled quite a bit better because we learned so much from that first one. And, you know, the biggest takeaway I learned? Don't cut down a fallen tree with an axe in your flip-flops. Yeah, I learned that lesson as soon as I pulled the axe right out of the top of my foot. But, hey, listen... (laughs) Oh, I made somebody scream. I'm sorry, D. 
Hey, listen, life has its challenge, it has its storm, but what's important is that we prepare for it. You may have heard this saying that experience is the best teacher. But what I like better is how John Maxwell corrects that saying, and he says that evaluated experience is the best teacher. Hey, we have some experience from last year. Let's not let that go to waste. I know that we're anxious to move on and get on with 2021, but I believe that God was doing something deep in us as we went through this last year. And if we take a moment to evaluate the things that we were, went through and the storms that we faced, God wants to grow us and prepare us for what's up ahead. Whenever we come into a storm, we can either sink in the middle of it, we can try to swim through it, or we can stand up and walk in it. So are we going to sink, or are we going to swim, or are we going to walk? Last year, I would guess that most of us did a little bit of all three at some point. Like storm after storm, we kind of had different reactions. One of the harder storms for my wife and I was the virtual school format. We have a fourth grader and a second grader. Our second grader is an eight-year-old little boy. You ever try to put an eight-year-old in front of a screen that wasn't YouTube for six and a half hours? Y'all, that was rough. Like, we would finally think we had victory. We have him sit it down. He's finally paying attention to his teacher. And then some other kid unmutes his mic and makes a fart noise. It's over. All that struggle. Fart noise. But what was really tough is the tension that it brought into our home. And in all of the chaos of are they going back, are they not going back, and, and trying to fight who's taking the kids this day, who's taking that day, we uh, allowed some things back into our home and our relationship that wasn't healthy. And we found ourselves breaking a very important rule to us to not fight in front of the kids. And we had some of the worst fights that we've had in years. And we didn't even realize how bad that we were sinking until one day, that little hyperactive eight-year-old boy got mad at his sister, and we heard a certain four-letter word come out of his mouth. After we picked up off the floor and looked at him and asked, Chase, where in the world did you hear that word? He looked up sheepishly at us and pointed his finger at his mother. <laughs> Full disclosure, I had permission to share this story. So, ladies, it's all good. <laughs> but listen, we sunk kind of hard in that. But at that moment, we realized we're not handling this storm well. Our focus wasn't where it needed to be. That was a moment for us to do a quick U-turn and start getting our lives back in order and back on track and back in a situation where we were honoring God and what we say and what we do. Storms will help us to grow, but we have to be prepared for when they come because we don't know when they're coming. So one of the best examples, I think, that you see in the New Testament of someone growing through the storm is the apostle Peter. Now, Peter sometimes, I think, gets a bad rap. I think he was a pretty cool dude. He wasn't as much of a knucklehead as people say. So Peter, at this one point, Matthew chapter 8, you can read the story there. Um, him and the other disciples got in a boat. They went out onto the sea, and the passage said that a great storm came. Waves were coming over the sides. It was not a good situation. 
Their lives were in danger, and they were terrified, is what the scripture said. So they wake up Jesus, who is sleeping at peace to the storm. Jesus gets up, rebukes them, and then calms the storm. Pretty cool story that most of us have heard. But what's cool, or what's crazy maybe, as six chapters later in chapter 14, you see the disciples yet again in a boat and in a storm. We face storms, but just because we get through one doesn't mean we're not going to face something similar again. Now, this story that we find in Matthew chapter 14, we've probably all heard it. Even if you've never stepped foot in a church or logged on to an online service before right now, you've probably heard this story. We learned about it in kids' church. But I think we see something really powerful that happened in Peter's life as he stepped into this storm a second time. I'm going to start at verse 24, and let's see what happens here. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Again, they were in a spot, lives are possibly in danger, very, very rough place to be. At about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! So they're in a bad situation that they've seen something about before, but now they see something totally new, and it got even more scary for them. Then verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Before I go any further, that's a little bit of a different reaction than last time. All of a sudden, Peter is willing to leave the safety or the relative safety of the boat, the one thing that's keeping him afloat in the storm, to come out on the water to Jesus. So what happens? Verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now, growing up, they used all the teachers that I had in Sunday school and kids' church would focus on that last part of where he sank. But can we just pause for a second and say, come on, Peter, you got out of the boat. And you walked on water, the only mere human to do such a thing. Pretty incredible, right? Let me tell you something. That was a different Peter than what we had seen in chapter 8. Something had changed because he had been through a storm and he had seen that Jesus had the power and authority even over the storm. So when he was confronted again with that situation, he was willing to get out of the boat to follow the call and the beckoning of Jesus. Now what I like about this story as well is it shows both sides of the coin. That there are storms that we go into that we've got our eyes on Jesus. We're following his lead and his call and we're doing things miraculously. But there's other times where we sink in the waves. Where the storm garners all of our attention. The difference was where Peter was looking. One moment, his eyes were fixed on Jesus right ahead. 
He was following his calling to come to him. The next moment, he heard the howl of the wind. He saw how big the waves were. And then he started to sink. The one difference is where was his focus? If we're going to prepare for whatever lies ahead, it's so important to know where our focus lies. Where are our priorities? Where are we headed? It can make the difference between whether we sink or whether we walk through the storm. As we look forward to this next year, we look back and see how do we do in those last storms? What did we learn from them? Did we walk like Peter did? Are we walking in victory and the peace of God with full faith and trust that God's in control? Peter, one thing that's quite obvious, he did not walk on water out of his own ability. He was fully dependent on God's power in that moment. How many storms did we go back and face where we were fully dependent on God's power and not our own? He walked on water. We can walk. Or sometimes, and this one Peter didn't do, sometimes we try to swim. See, I think Peter was actually smart enough to know that he couldn't swim in the storm. Swimming is when we try to take on the storm and survive out of our own strength and ability. Can I just say, guilty? That's my issue, okay? I'm ferociously independent, very self-reliant, and it gets me in trouble all the time, and I like to prove that I can do it on myself. I mean, guys, anybody else with me? Yeah, you guys chuckle. Thanks for the courtesy laugh. All on my own. I like to do it. And so I get so focused sometimes, even when a storm is ra raging around me, about keeping moving forward on my own strength that I don't realize that God's right there with me. One morning this past summer, I woke up and said, you know what? I think I missed a few days on my annual Bible reading plan. I probably should catch up. So I went out on our back porch, got all set up, could hear the birds chirping. It was wonderful. I'm like, all right, let's refocus a little bit. So I pulled out my phone, used the, one of the one-year Bible plans on the YouVersion app. There's still time. You can catch up if you haven't started. Um, so I pulled it up. And you know what that thing told me? I was 21 days behind. <laughs> 21 days. Yes, Pastor Chuck was 21 days behind on his Bible reading. Problem was, I was focused on my ability to get through everything. Maybe I was more focused on Jesus and being in his presence. Maybe I wouldn't have ended up with a cussing eight-year-old. I don't know. But, yeah, too much. Sorry. <laughs> so sometimes we try to swim. And maybe last year you were in a spot, and honestly, I think all of us were, where we encountered those times where we sank. It was a hard year. Maybe we sank and, and we gave in to fear, and we gave in to hopelessness, and we gave in and focused on just the circumstances around us. Now, Peter, he sank, but he remembered something very important, that Jesus was right there. He didn't stay under the waves. He called out for help. So whatever last year looked like for you, look back. Were you walking in the storm? Were you swimming or were you sinking? And allow the Holy Spirit, invite him in to look at what, God, were you trying to teach me in this situation so I can get ready for whatever you have for me? And I mean it. I believe that God has a great plan in store for us. I think he was preparing us for something great if we'll just be faithful and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Now, one of what I think is the coolest chapters in the New Testament is Hebrews chapter 11. 
Some people call it the hall of fame of faith or the faith hall of fame. And the writer of Hebrews goes through all of these heroes of our faith who faced incredible difficulty, but yet God used them in a powerful way. He talks about Abraham, talks about Moses, talks about King David, and on and on and on. It's a faith-building chapter for sure. But what is interesting is right at the beginning of chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews pivots with instructions to the reader. So in light of all of these people, here's what you need to know. And he says this, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such great opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you want to live the life that God has designed you for and intended for you, regardless of the circumstances that you may find yourself in. They give us the key right here. There's things that we have to do to prepare for the storm, to walk through it in faith, in the power and authority that Jesus has given us. According to this, the first thing that we do is we lose the dead weight. Nobody wants to go swimming with a chain mail armor on, do they? Because it will make you sink. We lose the dead weight. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, all of us have things in our life that are hindrances. They may not necessarily be a sin issue, but they're things that can hold us back and be barriers for what God wants to do. That's dead weight in our life. One of the dead weights I picked up this last year was an unhealthy relationship with Netflix. They got me at Tiger King. Probably shouldn't admit that this morning either. But hey, if we're watching so, binge-watching so many series, it can be pretty easy to forget that we need to spend time in the presence of the Father. That was an issue for me. Hey, maybe it's the quarantine 15, right? It, we got to take care of our bodies. Our health can be a hindrance as well. So we honor the body that God has given us. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship or the way that we handle money. There can be all kinds of things that, while they may not be sin, hinder us from what God wants to do. And what does they say? Throw off. Lose the dead weight. And we don't just stop there. He says, and the sin that so easily entangles us. The last thing that we want to do going into the storm is to be bound up and entangled in our sins. One of the things that I think harms us the most as we go into a storm is not walking in the authority that God's given us because we allow undealt with sin to remain in our life. And then we just let the enemy have a field day when we should be walking in victory. So whatever that may be for some of us, let's start the year off with a clean heart. Say, God, I'm not going to indulge anymore with gossip. I'm not going to indulge unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. I'm not going to indulge 
you fill in the blank. He says what? Throw off the dead weight by throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. If we're going to prepare for the storm, that's the first thing that we can do right now. Hey, you can even get on the bandwagon. If it helps you, make a New Year's resolution to throw off the dead weight. Now, the second thing that we see is that we need to pursue the calling that God has on our lives. He says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. God has a divine calling on your life. You were made with a purpose. God has designed you, knit you together in your mother's womb. If we're going to be ready for a storm, we have to not just walk toward what God wants, not just think about what God wants, but run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Peter ran toward Jesus. He walked toward Jesus. He didn't just jump out of the boat to have a good time in the water. He had purpose and direction. We all have a purpose that God's given us. And what we need to do is align our lives around that calling that he has. Not just know that we have a calling, but literally align everything about our lives around it. One of the things that a lot of people do at this time of year as we kick off a new year is to make a list of what's most important. What are the priorities that you have? Let me encourage you to do that. You know, what has God called you to do and what order do you need to have your life? But don't stop there. Check it against your schedule. Check it against your habits. Check it against your budget. And see, does my life really align with the calling that God has for me? Now, in my personal opinion, and for me, and in my theology, I think my most important thing is, my number one has to be to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, to live for his glory, to walk in his presence. That's gotta be number one. Number two for me is to be a good husband and to love my wife well. Right behind that is to be a good father to my children, to love and raise them, to love and honor God. And then number four is my ministry, my occupation. We get ourselves into trouble when we don't align our lives around the call that God has for us. And I know firsthand, because I went through a season where I had all that backwards. Rather than having God at the top, I put my ministry at the top. Working for God became my idol. So rather than being in the presence of Jesus, I was consumed with working for him. I would work late nights at the office. I would come home and get back and keep responding to emails and writing content and all that. I neglected my relationship with the Lord, but I neglected my relationship with my wife and neglected the relationship I had with my young kids. I had my life completely out of order. And then the biggest storm of my life hit on May 26, 2014. My wife took off her wedding ring, threw it in my face, and informed me we were done. Tell you what, that wasn't a sprinkle. That wasn't even a thunderstorm. That was a storm that pulled me all the way to the bottom in an instant. Everything that was dear to me looked like it was about to be ripped right out. My wife, who I did love, she was done with me. And for all I knew, she was going to take the kids. And 
in, in our line of work, if you get a divorce, you're usually out of ministry, at least for a good while. I'm going to lose my job. Everything that was important in an instant looked like it was gone because my priorities were out of line, because I wasn't passionately pursuing the calling that God had on my life and doing it in a way where my life reflected that. I thank God that years later, and through a lot of pain and, and a long time, I started passionately pursuing the call. And now, my wife and I have been married for 11 years and going strong, and I thank him for that blessing. Man. Passionately pursue what God has called you to do. When we do that, it helps us to keep our focus on him. A healthy marriage keeps your eyes on him. When you make worshiping together a priority, it helps you to keep your eyes on him. When you make serving others and being in community with other believers a priority, you have those things in your life that keeps your focus on him even when the storm may come. But the first didn't stop there. The last thing that we need to do to be ready for the storms that may come our way is to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. He said, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that, catch this, you will not grow weary and lose heart. A lot of us grew weary and lost heart this past year. It was a tough year. And I'll be honest, there were times where I was growing weary. There were times where I wanted to give up. But what are we instructed? To consider Jesus who endured so much pain and suffering up to the point of being nailed to a cross for our sins. He endured scorn and suffering. Why? For us, for you and me. There's gonna be times, no matter how well that we've thrown off the dead weight, no matter how well we've aligned our life around God's calling, there will be storms that are so rough that we don't have anything else to hold on to except that which Jesus has done for us. It's in those times, the only thing that we have left to do is to consider him, to be in his presence, to remember what he has done for us, where our hope, where our strength, where our peace and joy comes from. As King David wrote in Psalms, he says that I look up to the mountains for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When we don't have anything else to hold on to, what we've got to do is remember Jesus. When we remember what he did for us, it's no longer woe is me but we remember that it is greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. When we remember how much he endured, it can give us strength to face what's gonna happen tomorrow. When we remember how he has been faithful to us, how his hand has been upon us, how he's already brought us through storm after storm after storm, and we consider him who endured so much for us. Tell you what, that's powerful realigns our focus off of the worries of the world and on to Jesus. Because it doesn't matter if I take another breath anymore. I already have everything in him. Consider him. Consider him. 
as we get going into this next year, again, my heart, my prayer is that we're gonna see some of the greatest days of our life heading into this. But even when the storm hits, I know where I want my eyes to be. I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from Jesus. And what I wanna encourage you today, make the choice right now, this first Sunday of the year, how you're gonna face the storms ahead. Make the choice now. Throw off the dead weight. Don't be content with living life the way you're living it now. Throw it off. Align your life so that you can passionately pursue the calling that God has for you. And remember, in all things, to consider him. Consider, reflect on Jesus, walk in intimacy with him. Peter learned in the midst of the storm where his eyes needed to be. His focus is what mattered. It's our focus as we go into this year that will determine the outcome, not the storm. Where's yours gonna be? Let me ask you to stand with me. As we get ready to close, I asked Greg if he would come and just sing an old hymn, a chorus of an old hymn called Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. And for this moment as he sings this over us, let me ask you to invite the Holy Spirit right now, just where you're standing right now, say, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. Ask him to search your heart and ask him right now to start focusing your heart and your life on him, that he would give you the strength, that he would prepare you for what comes this year. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that no matter how dark the storms have been, that you've been with us through them. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to grow us, to prepare us, to mold us into the people that you've designed us to be. God, as we go into this new year, I ask that you would turn our hearts fully and completely to you. God, would you allow us to walk into this year full of expectation of what you have before us? God, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit to live out your calling and your design for our lives? God, we ask as you empower us that every word that we say, every deed that we do, God, every thought that we think, God, we ask that this year and for the rest of our lives that it would bring glory and honor to you, our King. As we stay in a state of prayer just for a moment, I wanna give you an opportunity that maybe you're here and you've not yet invited Jesus to be part of your life, to be your Lord and Savior. We start off this year, that is the most important thing as we face tomorrow. 
to know that we have been forgiven, that our hope and future is secure in him. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Let me ask that you just prayer yours, that you reach out to him right now in this moment. Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth, that you lived a perfect life, but yet you allowed yourself to be nailed to a cross for me. I ask, God, that you would forgive me of my sins. Jesus, would you come, make me clean, make me new. And I ask that as I walk in a relationship with you, that you would empower me to live a life of great meaning and purpose in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's welcome the men of the family today. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.